What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. And what's happening? I know I'm late today, but hey, I'm here. Um, today is an exciting episode because we get to talk about one of the crown jewels of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. This is probably, arguably, the best of the MCU. And uh, for a long time, it stood alone as the best until we got a couple of other movies that are coming down the pipe, but I'm pretty sure you know which movies came close here. Thanks again for, for joining me. I got a little ahead of myself, huh? I didn't say thank you. Thank you for being here today. If you are new here, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party because today we continue our MCU watch party, which is leading up to Avengers Endgame. Um, we are roughly three months away. February, March, yeah, three months. <laughs> We're roughly three months away from the uh, culmination of all of these Marvel movies so far and how exciting a time is it not just for the the uh, MCU but for just nerds in general so many different things to look forward to and so many different things that have already begun such as the uh, DC Universe Young Justice man I'm just telling you if you're not watching it you need to be um, also the Orville has picked back up for season two also, the very much different uh, Star Trek Discovery has picked up for season two as well. We got so much happening, so many good things in all of these different cinematic universes, and I am excited to be here to discuss them all with you. But today, today is about Steve Rogers and his continuing journey after being reawakened after his very long nap. Uh, we, we've got Steve Rogers and he is now getting used to being 21st century, yes. <laughs> so he woke up in, in the 21st century and uh, boy, has things are things different from the world that he left in, in World War II. Now he's been awake for a little while because this is now two years after the Battle of New York and um, He's doing the mundane things. He's, he's out on a jog in Washington, D.C., and this is where we meet Sam, Sam Wilson, who is going to be known as Falcon. Later on in this movie, that's where he will get his moniker. So um, very exciting, very exciting times for Steve and the, the characters that we are going to see in this movie. And we get we get a lot. We get... um. Nick Fury, we get Black Widow, Maria Hill, we get Agent 13, we do see Peggy, Peggy Carter, we get a lot of Bucky, we get uh, Crossbones, I'm still, I'm getting ahead of myself, you see how excited I am to talk about this movie? Let's talk about the, uh, the facts surrounding the release of this movie, it was released April 4th, uh, 2014 here in the States. It was budgeted at 170 million. The box office gave back 714.3 million dollars. Now, this movie should have gotten to a billion dollars. Just saying, this is 
this is one of the best movies and, and in fact oh I said facts okay facts let's talk about the facts it is directed by the infamous Russo brothers and you know the Russo brothers came back and gave us uh, two more movies I believe and they are all just the icons of, of the MCU these guys really really know how to put together uh, these types of action packed uh, loaded with characters movies and give everybody their arc here I go again you see how excited I am Rotten Tomatoes is set at 89% Rotten Tomatoes so that makes it what certified fresh we've only not been able to say that one time over the last say five weeks so and it's like the movie that I told you that was like not my favorite so we won't rehash that I'm sorry Thor we want to talk about Metacritic Metacritic uh, was a 70% which is one of the highest uh, Metacritic scores that I have reported since we've been doing this MCU watch party that is something else huh this movie was well received by critics and audiences because the audiences liked it to the tune of 92% according to Rotten Tomatoes as well. I am one of those 92%. I thought this movie was great. So not trying to get too far ahead of myself. You know somewhere down the episode I'm going to give my star rating to it and uh i think you guys can already tell how by just by how excited i am in the beginning that it's going to be a favorable review for me <laughs> we got some of the most iconic lines ever uttered by nick fury in this movie things that you just keep hearing over and over and over again because this movie made us understand Nick Fury a whole heck of a lot better. We got a, truly got a better understanding of uh, Steve Rogers and what makes him tick. Black Widow tells us as much as you're going to get out of Black Widow because uh, basically you know how secretive she is. And we got about as much out of her as we're going to get. But we do understand her character a little bit better. As a result of this movie, this movie just did so much to move the narrative along, to give us a complete and total understanding of why each of these characters that are featured heavily in this movie, why they move the way they move, you know? So anyway, two years after the Battle of New York, uh, we meet Sam while, while Steve is out jogging that's where black widow rolls up on them was like hey we got this mission they go on this mission to uh basically save some hostages that have been uh being held on a hijacked shield vessel it's called the uh lumerian star so pirates have hijacked this vessel how i don't know it's a shield vessel so Hi pirates have hijacked this vessel and uh rogers romanoff and strike and that strike team is uh, led by Agent Brock Rumlow. They fight the pirates. They rescue the hostages. But as the events continue to unfold, Steve realizes that Tasha has her own secret mission. And she is going to extract all the shield data from the ship onto uh, a USB flash drive. They head back to the Triscale. My mouth just won't. They're going to meet up with Fury. <laughs> 
so Steve is angry with, with uh, Nick Fury because Nick Fury didn't give him the total truth. He did not tell him that there were two missions going on. He told them that we're there to save some hostages when in all actuality, they're there to extract data. Tasha has her own separate mission. And Fury basically says that he is uh, going to be a nice guy today. But right before that, Right before he tells him about how he's going to be this great, nice guy, he gave us the, the line. And Steve Rogers basically said, how can I trust you if you're not going to give me all of the information? And, and Nick Fury said, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Now, that line was uttered in this movie, and it may be paid off in a film featuring a different captain right i know you guys can figure it out you don't need me to say it captain marvel right because in captain marvel he still has both of his eyes i am of the opinion that something that happens in that movie is going to uh, create the situation where nick fury needs the eye patch moving along steve is telling him you know you don't share anything i don't know what's going on and and another iconic Nick Fury line says, you're wrong about me. I do share. I'm nice like that. The moment that this is moment that he's saying that he's going to share, they get into an elevator and they're going to see a secret program, a secret project that is underway deep, deep, deep in the annals of this building. And it is called Project Insight, where they have like a, so they've got several of these huge helicarriers and they have uh, these satellites in them and they say that the satellites can read a terrorist DNA before he steps out of the foxhole. While we're in the elevator, we get a story from Nick Fury and he talks about his grandfather and how his grandfather was an elevator attendant and he would walk back and forth home from work and carrying a brown bag in his hand and speaking to people everywhere he goes. He would speak hello he get lots of tips because he's friendly and as years go on that people change used to be people would say hi back but it turned into you better keep it moving pop and grandpa would just clutch his bag a little tighter so as we're saying that he's walking back and forth and nick fury finally says uh no i'm sorry captain rogers finally asked him well what's in the bag and nick fury tells him a bunch of crumpled up ones and a 22 mag. Now, Grandpa loved people, but he didn't trust them much. And that story, the fact that Fury shared that story, tells us an awful lot about him. Yes, he's here to protect people, and he, and he works with a team of people, but trust is something he doesn't do easily. And when we finally get to the uh, bottom floor where this elevator is letting Rogers and Fury out we see these helicarriers and we find out that the helicarriers are to basically combat terrorism they are going to uh, find out what people could potentially do who could potentially turn into a threat to shield therefore the United States of America and they're gonna take them out before they even have an opportunity to do anything. And with that, Captain America said, uh, I thought the punishment usually came after the crime. You're gonna hold a gun on everyone on earth 
and call it protection, that's not freedom, that's fear. And it just made me, you know, even now, because then in 2014, you know, we, we hadn't gotten to the era that we're in now, but we have, we have experienced uh, losing a lot of freedoms here in the States uh, out of fear. And the government who says that they are, they are protecting us take, have taken away a few of our liberties and said, it, oh, it's for your own protection. We're not living in a free time period. In a lot of, of uh, instances, we are reacting out of fear of what could happen. And it, will, it gives us less freedom now, if you get what I'm saying. So Fury um, basically talked about Cap's time, the time that he uh, is from. And he's like, you know, uh, your idealism is kind of fake. Well, he didn't say those words. However, he said, uh, speaking of the 40s, the greatest generations, you guys did some nasty stuff, <laughs> you know. So basically, you know, you, uh, you living in a glass house, but you're throwing an awful lot of stones here, Steve. But Cap's argument is that they did the bad stuff to make the world better, to make it the kind of world that didn't hold a gun to everyone's head. So basically what we're seeing here is Captain America is learning that uh, he, he needs to have a level of distrust in the government because look at what they're doing right under the people's nose. They are manufacturing, developing the, the type of technology that can kill a person for a thought. And the people don't know it. The people are just moving around like a mindless sheep as the government is plotting to kill them if they think the wrong thing. If you look like you might be going to do the wrong thing, the government is, is, is basically saying we'll eliminate you before you can step out the house. And that's not a world that you want to live in. Captain America is finding that he does not want to live in that kind of world. And we, uh, we see the, ideal, the idealism of Steve Rogers. We see that he is a forever optimist. He is forever hopeful that people will do the right thing if given an opportunity. Whereas Nick Fury is looking at the world from what he calls uh, being a realist. And it could possibly be that, but it's also a very pessimistic view because you basically have the the ability with these three helicarriers to eliminate people before they've even committed a crime, just like Steve Rogers said. So you're living in a pessimistic uh, reality, Nick Fury, and it's showing us that the fear of the things that have happened, including in this universe, the attack on uh, New York City from the uh, from Loki and uh, the Shatari. These things have jaded Nick Fury. He's putting together a hell of a defense and he's planning to play defense before the game even starts, basically. It's no game being played, but he's got his defense already mapped out. And that's what I'm saying, that the polar opposites of these two characters. Nick Fury, is a spy so by him being a spy and he knows what he's capable of and what he has possibly done he he places those attributes on every single person around steve rogers has always been a hero 
and because he knows that he's everything that he's done has been for the greater good he places emphasis on the good in everybody around and though the polarity is just uh it's an awesome thing they the the directors the russos did an awesome job of establishing uh the north and south pole in this situation if that's making any sense and especially when when fury tells cap that shield sees the world as it is not as we wish it would be and it's time you get with the program cap tells him don't hold your breath so he's almost too good for the era he landed in so we later see nick fury uh driving down the streets washington dc and he is talking on the phone with maria hill he's telling her you know why we need to we need to meet up because he's found out that all of the information that is on that disc that he had uh, Romanov, Tasha, Black Widow, went, that he had her steal or he had her to retrieve, he can't access any of it. It's all above his uh, encryption level. And so now he's, uh, he's freaking out because now he realizes something ain't right with this whole Project Insight, which is the three helicarriers three helicarriers as he's driving and he's on his way to meet maria he gets attacked and when i say attack and they they threw everything with the kitchen sink at at nick fury so it was it was a rogue policeman and swat team members and he is truly to see him driving and trying to escape this situation and the things that he has the technology that's in this car uh these these rogue officers disabled damn near everything and this is a, a true to life attack on his life in broad daylight <laughs> on the streets of washington dc and anyway so everything is getting damaged in his car he he's trying to get propulsion uh he's trying to get i forgot some of the other things but i just remember him saying what's not damaged because you know the car has an ai yeah a uh, ai and he asks what's not damaged and the ai says air conditioning is uh <laughs> air conditioning is fully functional so the, the last thing this man is thinking about is comfort and air conditioning he's trying to get the hell away from this team of people who is trying to kill him so he drove the shit out of that car he's like and he finally says get me off the grid and after he says that, he meets the Winter Soldier. Oh, you knew it was coming. And Winter Soldier walking through the, the fog of all this uh, mayhem that's going around him, looking like Jason Voorhees. He's like mask on, walking through the fog, unfucking bothered. Nothing is bothering him. He's not uh, in no hurry. He ain't walking fast, he's not running. He's just walking casually towards Nick Fury's car because he about to do him in. He had disabled the car actually with uh, some type of like disc grenade and he flung it and it uh, went up under Nick Fury's car and blew that sucker upside down. So now we got Nick Fury looking like a sitting duck in his uh, SUV and you got the winter soldier walking to him casually because he already knows there's no way out of this situation for fury i'm about to kill him except for there was a situation out of it for fury because 
some type of laser device cut a hole in the ground and Nick Fury escaped by via this hole. So now the Winter Soldier's like, damn, he just fooled and got away. Now I gotta keep looking for him. I gotta look for him again. So Fury finds his way to Steve Rogers' house. When Rogers comes home, he hears this music on and I believe the music is to just let Captain Rogers know that I'm in your, your uh, apartment. So when you come in here, you, I won't surprise you because if you surprise Captain Rogers, if you if you surprise Captain America, Captain America is going to be on defense. So letting him know I'm in here now. He's still on defense, but at this point he's looking around. He knows somebody is in there, so it's not a huge surprise. And when he goes in there and he finds that it's Nick Fury, and he says to Nick Fury, "What are you doing here?" And Nick Fury said, "My wife put me out." But that's really just casual conversation because the whole apartment is bugged. In fact, it's said that that apartment is bugged by Nick Fury. So now Captain America, seeing this person here, Nick Fury is going to the only person he can trust. Captain America is looking at it like, this fucker is in my apartment. I ain't gave him no key, so that means he got a key to my place. He's telling me the place is bugged, so that means somebody is listening to all the goings on in and out of my apartment on the phone uh fury has typed a message that says shield is compromised so they have this casual conversation about fury's wife and fury is doing everything that he can to not say anything out loud he's just showing steve rogers on the phone what's really going on at the end of it all Nick Fury is standing, uh, not even by a window, and a freaking blast comes through the wall. Nick Fury is mortally wounded, and uh, his last word, I mean, to Steve Rogers, was, don't trust anyone. And this is our setup for basically the whole second act is just uh, spy stuff. It's just like one of the best spy movies that you'll probably ever see, you know, because they don't even, you're looking for something and you don't know who you're look, what you're looking for. You have a part, you've got the information, but you can't access it because he's got the flash drive, which obviously has some very important information on it, but you can't even access it. Then you have uh, Nick Fury, you know, basically is, is, is dying and they get him to uh, the hospital because Agent 13 just happens to be placed in Steve Rogers' uh, apartment to watch over him. So you got Agent 13. Uh, she jumps in and kind of directs where they're going to take Fury to get uh, medical attention. And then we see Nick Fury on an operating table while uh, Maria Hill, Black Widow, and Captain America, America watch. And we see him die so nick fury was deceased and of course if you watch the, the marvel movies you know that nick fury is very well alive very much alive in these in these future movies did you guys really want me to go frame by frame because i just started going and i really didn't have to huh we've all seen this movie before most of us have some of us have not um maria hill wants to take care of fury's body the reason why she wants to take care of the body is because she knows how to bring that body back to life. 
So moving forward, Captain America meets up with the uh, politician, Alexander Pierce, no relation. And Alexander Pierce says, you know, I'm, I was a great friend of Fury's, you know, talk about basically wants to know who killed him. And uh, they are realists and they don't want to build a new world. And that means tearing the old world up. So anyway, Captain America basically is like, I don't know who killed him. Well, well, what was he doing in your apartment? He said his wife put him out. So now Alexander Pierce is still trying to get uh, some info out of. He wants to know what Captain America knows. So he's like, why was he in your apartment? He told me don't trust anybody. And he doesn't trust Pierce. So now he leaves the office. He goes to get in the elevator. And you'll find that elevators play heavily in this movie. When he gets in the elevator, my favorite scene, not my favorite lines that are said to each other. This is my whole favorite scene in this movie because I am a huge fan of close quarters, hand-to-hand combat. And that's what we got in this elevator because he's in the elevator and the elevator just starts to fill with strike agents and and he's like uh he he knows captain america knows this is not right so he says uh okay guys before we do this does anybody want to get out nobody wants to get out and the fight starts and when that fight starts man steve rogers put hands on a lot of them as a matter of fact all of them you know he got he got with all of them before you know it the whole darn elevator everybody's down only person standing steve rogers and if you did not see the hand-to-hand fight scene in that movie you need to stop and go and watch it look it up on youtube if you have to it was so dope then the the elevator opens and and there's a whole strike force outside of the elevator uh steve rogers has has to escape through a window and he goes through the window by the, uh, a garage and he retrieves a motorcycle so he gets stopped by they set up a roadblock for him and he gets stopped by a quinjet no matter what steve rogers get past, gets past all of these obstacles and uh we find out that alexander pierce is working with the winter soldier when he and when he shoots uh his house cleaner the house cleaner just was like, all right, Mr. Pierce, I'm gone for the night. And then she leaves. And then he goes and he's got the winter soldier in the house and they're talking business. And she comes back because she forgot her phone. And they killed that old lady. Man. Man. <laughs> but anyway, so Steve Rogers goes back to the hospital that uh, Nick Fury died in. Because he had hidden that USB drive in a candy machine. There was a guy filling a candy machine. And he snuck the USB drive in the machine behind some Hubba Bubba Bubble Gum. And was anybody else checking out the candy on that table, man? That was a lot. He had a spread on that table. I'd have walked away. I'd have put the USB drive in that machine and walked away with a whole box of Starburst. But that's just me. Alexander Pierce is basically going in front of this council because Nick Fury had said we're going to stop this project inside. We need to, you know, pause on that. So uh, Alexander Pierce is going and he's, he's playing a, a psychological game with these council members. And he's saying that, oh, Nick Fury wanted this 
this thing, this project insight to be paused. And, and I'm in agreement with, with Nick Fury when on an actuality, he set Nick Fury up to be the fall guy. He's saying that Nick Fury was the bad guy in this situation. And uh, the council was like, well, nah, fuck Nick Fury. We're going to reinstitute this program. And this is the very program that is going to put the fate of the entire world in the wrong hand. Steve Rogers then met back up with Black Widow. They fugitives. Steve Rogers is a fugitive who is hiding behind a pair of glasses. And I thought, man, that's just like Superman. You know, he just changed his entire uh, identity by putting on some glasses. So Steve Rogers and uh, Natasha Romanoff now are on this trip. They're trying to basically get into a position where they can find out what the information is on this USB drive. And as they're driving to these different locations that they're trying to get to, we hear them just have banter, basically. And uh, she's basic. She's trying to hook him up with somebody. And he's saying, nah, I'm not, re- you know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. Every person that she comes up with, he's a, you know, nah, I can't do that. What we find out is that Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson wrote their own lines for these types of uh, give and take that they have with each other. And one of them was, I'm 95, I'm not dead. If you don't know what I'm talking about, they're in that, uh, I think it was a Silverado truck, and they're driving to uh, the old army base, and they're talking. So that's the scene you're looking for. Anyway, like I said, elevators play heavily in this movie. They get to this old army base. Uh, Steve Rogers realizes that the artillery place there where they where they hold the artillery is not in the right place so now this building is sticking out so they go into the building it's a secret shield headquarters back from uh when peggy was over shield that was a long ass time ago that was 1940s here we is 2014 but anyway they realize secret compartment push the bookcase aside and there's an elevator and they get into this elevator and they come into like this archaic data bank of computers and whatever. And they put this USB drive in and Arnim Zola, who we met in the first Captain America, which was the first movie that we watched for this watch party. We meet him again, but this time it's not him in his uh, flesh and blood. It is just his consciousness that has been uploaded to this uh, database. And they did that in 1972 when he was recruited to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D. So now we have we have Hydra agents <laughs> infiltrating who have inf- infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. So we are to assume that most of the people that we saw uh, especially in the scenes uh, concerning Captain Rogers, uh, Steve Rogers, when he was in the elevator and all of the ensuing stuff that made him a fugitive of the United States, all, at least half of those people were, were Hydra agents. Mm, like some of the people who call themselves, but we, we won't even get into that, I won't rehash that. So all these Hydra agents are now part of shield they have helped they have been there almost since shields founding we realize now that alexander pierce is actually one of those uh, hydra agents their agenda is to not protect shield from uh terrorists they are 
going to use these three helicarriers to eliminate anyone who would potentially be a an obstacle or a threat to Hydra. And they they named some names, and one of the names was 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 uh, Stephen Strange, and this was of course prior to Stephen Strange even becoming Doctor Strange, and uh, well he was Doctor Strange, but he wasn't. Doctor Strange. He wasn't the master of the mystical arts. Okay, so you know, they say basically that Zola's uh, algorithm for figuring out who would potentially in the future become a threat to Hydra, it was very predictive. So even be even before uh, Doctor Strange becomes a master of the mystical arts, So I was briefly interrupted by a phone call and because I live in a hellhole which is known as Circle K and um, by the way that is that is where I work so that's the, the job that gives me headaches and I meet some great people working at Circle K and then I meet some pieces of shit but that's a whole nother rant for an entire nother episode. I could I can go forever. I could do a podcast about the shit that I see witness go through at Circle K. But you guys might not be interested in any of that. And if you are, you know how to find me. You can, I'm I'm got a, I got a story for everything. But because I live in this freaking uh, this place that just oh my god, and I say I live there, I don't get the news until. I get home. I don't like to watch the news. I read news. So I pick through and I find what I want to know about because uh, because a lot of news is like horrible, horrible news. And I just like to sometimes step back from the whole reality of the world. Kind of, It, it kind of puts me in vain of this movie because I, I want to see the world as good. I want to do the Steve Rogers things and then stuff just happens and right now what I didn't know is that a, a BuzzFeed article came out and it's saying that uh, our president may have allegedly instructed someone to lie under oath and this goes to the very heart of this movie and I'm through with the play-by-play -play of the movie I think I am going to finish up uh talking about the movie i know everybody has seen the movie so you don't need me to do a play-by-play -play run rundown but this is what this movie is this movie is about uh when a government has a high level of distrust and i mean the people can't trust the government because we don't know what they're doing under the people's noses in this movie the government had developed the technology to instantly kill millions of people in a second just by flipping a switch and you know they say art imitates life and how do we not know that this type of thing is not in the making maybe not to this extent maybe not to this level but how do we know this thing is not in the making and i'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist but you guys about just like we learned a lot about uh nick fury and we learned a lot about captain rogers in this movie, you're going to learn about me in this episode because there is a level of distrust in government that has been around for years. 
It's been around for years. And and let's be real, ever since uh, the terrorist attack that was 9-11, ever since that terrorist attack, uh, the world that I live in has been, has become a little different. A lot of things, uh, a lot of moves that are made by the government, by the citizens, all of these things are built on fear. Anytime uh, the telephone or anytime I could be doing something normal, regular, routine, mundane, and have the police called on me because I'm just doing this, because this person is distrustful of what my intentions, intentions are for doing this mundane thing, we are living in a world that is predicated by fear. And this, this movie is a prime example of the extremes that can, can occur when the world is living in uh, situations that are predicated by fear. So they actually allowed a Nazi organization, Hydra, they allowed them to overtake S.H.I.E.L.D. and start to push forward their agenda. Now, am I saying for certain, for 100% certain, that's what's happening here in the United States right now? I'm not certain of anything because everything is so political that we have no clue what, uh, what's real and what's fake. And I don't want to say the two words that our president likes to say, but we don't know what we're being force-fed as an agenda from either party or from uh, foreign governments. But what is being alleged here is that our president is on the take. And that, to me, screams of why do we trust these people with our lives? We have to. That is what our, our, our country is founded upon. But we are trusting the wrong people with our lives. We're in a situation where our president could create a diversion. And we've already got like a thousand diversions going on right now. We got this freaking wall. We got, uh, we've got, uh, the government is shut down. People, thousands of people are out of work. Thousands more are working and not getting paid. Do you think I would go to the fucking Circle K if they wasn't paying me my, my $9 and some change an hour? Do you think I'd fucking show up? But these people are continuously showing up for work, not knowing when their next payday is. And this is the type of foolishness that's going on in Washington right now. This is where everyone's attention is. And there are so many bigger things. So yes, I can agree with Nick Fury in a million different ways, but I sure want to be Steve Rogers in this situation. I'm, I, I don't want to just uh, be so quick to put everybody or put thousands or millions even of people in the same little bundle and say these people are not worth it. I want to feel like everybody that I walk by at the fucking Circle K, <laughs> everybody that I walk by is a regular person, is not up to no good, is not, you know, it, of course, the, the store that I work at, you know, we, we've been robbed. And I'm pretty sure I walked past the robber as they cased the place. I'm probably 100% sure that I said to the people who held a gun to my co-workers, hi, how's it going today? 
I'm pretty sure I may have even shown them, hey, what are you looking for something? Let me show you this. Can I make you a sandwich? Anything. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was me talking to a person who meant harm to the people that I work with, who have become family and their family because I'm at work all the damn time. <laughs> but I'm going to step back right now. The NSA, if you're not 100%, that's the National Security Agency. The National Security Agency of the United States may not be uh, boiling over with, with uh, counterintelligence people or spies. However, we have been shaped. The NSA was shaped by the events of 9-11 much like S.H.I.E.L.D. was shaped by the events of the Nazi uh, war. And I know you might be thinking, oh, she's grasping at straws. Art imitates life. And it is just amazing that at this time, we are covering this movie when this turn of events, and I usually stay away from politics, and I'm still not telling you what side of the aisle I sit on or whether I sit on a side at all. But I'll let you figure that out. Because just listening to my ire should tell you a little something about me. Okay, so the NSA, our uh, intelligence agencies are all reacting to something that happened. They, they, they have become what they are by the events of 9-11. Okay, so we can slide that to the side for a moment. Our political parties now know that they run on a system based in fear. So who can scare the people? Who, who not inspire hope? And we had hope, you know, and, and I won't say no names. We had hope. Now nobody wants to be involved with hope anymore. Now we want to see who can inspire the most fear in the people. Now am I gonna make, who can make us scared enough to vote for them? And now your freaking fear has inspired you to place pieces in place and then you can't even be sure if those place, pieces that you put in place are really for us or are they against us it's a sick sick world we live in and if you are not a United States citizen I can be I won't say 100% sure but if you move some freaking rocks around you'll find some garbage hanging up under the rocks that in your front yard as well but I'm gonna talk about my front yard and my backyard and all around me what is happening right now is either I'm gonna make these people so scared that this president is a, a, a Russian pawn I'm gonna make the people so scared that their president is a Russian pawn that they just insist that we get him out and then on the other hand it's I'm gonna make the people so scared of everything else and say that they can't trust anything in order for them to only trust me and if you say something wrong about me you can't say that I'm gonna aim my my uh the the crosshairs at you and then I'm gonna embarrass you and talk about you and make your life a living hell <sighs> boy living under this rock the Circle K Rock. I was out of it and I wish I wouldn't have gotten this piece of information at this very moment because now you guys have to share. <laughs> you have to share in this with me. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um, we basically saw Steve 
all the way at the end of the movie in his final face-off with his friend once he realizes this is his friend Bucky and Bucky is starting to get glimmers of recognition because his relationship with Steve was just that strong way back in the first Avenger when me and Adam uh, friend of the show Adam DeColibus and I'm gonna uh, talk about his book Caravan I, I still am big up in Adam DeColibus even though I was supposed to call him to be on this episode and I forgot so we could charge that to the head and not the heart I really would have liked to have had him on this episode we still need to support Adam so if you are a reader go to Amazon and look for Adam's book Caravan his name is Adam DeColibus he has been a friend to the show so let's continue to show Adam love and uh, that's just to let him know that I am thinking about him maybe he'll come back and do Civil War with me who knows and maybe hopefully and here's another call to freaking disrupt everything just a moment okay that one was just my son wanting to know if I wanted dinner so no <laughs> um, but yeah where were where were we we were talking about him uh, finally realizing it's uh, Bucky who is the winter soldier we were talking about uh, at this point Steve is trying to bring down the last helicarrier you have to do all three of these helicarriers uh, insert like a card a chip into the the helicarriers at the same time or not, not at the same time but they all have to be in place to bring project insight down uh, Falcon got his done uh, we had uh, what's her name Black Widow got hers done so the only one that was left was uh, the one that Steve Rogers had to do when he has to go through Bucky and he did not want to kill Bucky now he did finally get his card in with just 30 seconds remaining he he made it however um, he still his mission uh, Bucky's mission was not complete he had to fight his friend and it, it was supposed to be a fight to the death and Steve said, I can't, I can't fight you. I can't kill you. So you're going to have to kill me, basically, because I'm not going to kill you. And Bucky pretty much continued on his mission. He, he, his intention was to kill uh, Steve, and he pummeled him to no end. In this scene, the fighter lost his fight he he didn't even want to fight anymore and for god's sake is that not where we are right now a nation of people who were strong and we could overcome anything and then here we are we are through fighting but I, i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna make it a debbie downer even though after uh presumably throwing Captain America to his death and to the Potomac River we see at the end that it is Bucky who pulls him out Bucky pulls him out and because he is fighting within himself of which part of his personality the brainwashed Hydra part or the part that grew up side by side with Steve Rogers which part of him is the real Bucky and we got an uh we got an indication that he was headed down the right path when we saw him pull 
Steve out of the river. And also, in, in the end, at the, cold, at the, the uh, end credit scene, when we saw him pretty much searching for himself at the uh, Steve Rogers Museum, I guess that's kind of like what it was, the Captain America exhibit at the museum. We also saw Fury and his art because we're talking about uh, pretty much the security state. And in the movie, uh, Alexander Pierce was Robert Redford. And, you know, Robert Redford is a big deal as far as uh, dramatic acting goes. But anyway, he told Fury that they both want the same thing. They just want order. And he's saying he's the hero, Alexander Pierce, because he's willing to flip the switch because he's willing to save 7 billion people by killing a few million. And he said to Nick Fury, will you be brave enough to flick that switch? And another iconic line from Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson in this movie is he said, I'm brave enough not to. And now here we are. How, how brave are we? Are we brave enough to pull ourselves out of this, uh, this quagmire that is being presented to us by the government? Are we brave enough not to fall for these things? Are we brave enough to think on our own? With the information presented to you, are we brave enough to overcome fear and just look at it from a perception of what is true and what is false and what gives us hope because here's a now another scene in this movie where Captain America appealed to the hero in all of the agents of shield those agents who had uh, who are not and they know that they're not uh, under the direction of Hydra if you are not under the direction of Hydra this is the situation where you can become a hero. Now we can't, we, we're not out here making uh, heroic decisions or life and death decisions over millions of people. You are in a lot of times or a lot of instances, we are making life or death decisions every single day over ourselves and our loved ones. We are all heroes and anybody can be a hero. We're divided by foolishness right now. Step back from the foolishness. Number one, sometimes you need that deep breath. Sometimes we need to watch a movie or 10 or 12 movies to get past what we are presented with as a reality. Today is one of those days that, you know, dig deep, think to yourself, is there an agenda? Who has it? I'm not going to answer these questions for you. I am going to leave it to you and your own consciousness to decide if there's an agenda at play here. And if it is, is it in the best interest of the people or the politics? Now, I've said enough about uh, current events and I've said an awful lot about this movie I've talked for an hour this was one of my favorite movies in the MCU and it what was it uh 89% on Rotten Tomatoes making it certified certified fresh 
And I am in agreement with that. And I will give this movie a 4.5 out of 5, which would be a 9 out of 10 on a 9-point scale. Maybe I'll move that up. We'll say a 4.75 out of 5. Near perfect. It's, it's a beautiful movie. It is. It has just the, the correct level of suspense and, and intrigue. Uh, we see levels of espionage. It is, a, a, to me, the Russos really outdid themselves with this movie and this character and way the way that they introduced the nuances, the things that we should be looking at. The fact, the fact that this movie uh, is making commentary on the state of the world at that time, 2014, and who knew that that would even tie in to the times that we're living in today in 2019, five years later. I loved it. I hope you guys loved it. Um, uh, our next movie for the MCU watch party is The Guardians of the Galaxy 1. And I was trying to consider whether I wanted to just do one and two together. We got a couple of days before I will record that episode. If anybody... Uh, has an idea of whether they would like to hear them separately or together if this this is something that we need to really dive into the first one and give it the full whole like 40 minute treatment that I usually give it or can we put both of those together and then have another free week at the back end of our uh, MCU watch party that is leading up to Avengers Endgame speaking of Avengers Endgame I'm not going to short this episode because I went off on a tangent um, I am actually going to give you that little piece of trivia or a little piece of food for thought that I saw in a YouTube video today and I want to say I want to say that that video was on everything always which is uh, one of the channels on YouTube that I love to watch and I like to watch it because these are our YouTubers who are kind of in the genre that, that we talk about here and that I'm trying to get my foot in on uh, YouTube. And I'm, I mean, I want to see what they do well and, you know, try to emulate it, not copy it, but just use their, their lead as an example. And they have a very strong channel with very strong content in today's video that they, they were uh, that they've up uploaded was about Tony Stark's left arm. And over all of the movies, we have seen very tight shots or direct mentions to something going on with Tony Stark's left arm. And it was not something that I paid an awful lot of attention to. But that left arm is always, it always has a moment. We saw episodes where he had an ice pack on his left arm. We saw episode or parts of the movies, scenes, so to speak. <laughs> we saw scenes where he was wearing a sling. We saw scenes where he's just massaging it. We saw, we, we have seen a million scenes where something is going on with the left arm. The first shot that we see Tony Stark in ever in the MCU all we see is a glass in his left hand. So, I mean, going forward. So they're saying 
that they believe that that is something that we need to look for, that there's going to be something with the left arm. And wouldn't you know it, when you look at uh, Infinity War, we see that Thanos wields the gauntlet on his left arm, and his left arm has sustained all types of damage from, uh, from the snap. So, will this whole left arm thing throughout the MCU be foreshadowing Tony undoing the snap with a snap of his own using his left arm and his left arm is uh he loses it because of this snap now that'll be very spoilery if it really comes to be, turns out to be true but it was also something that I thought had been given the correct amount of thought to share with you all so tell me what you think you can reach me after the snap at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook at After the Snap, Twitter at Snap After, Instagram at After the Snap 2018. You can support the show on patreon.com slash after the snap. You can do a one-time donation at paypal.me slash after the snap. And thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to me ramble on partially about the winter soldier the other part about how things are starting to suck but we gonna get through this right because i've got you and you definitely have me and since i've got nothing else to share today i will catch you on the flip <laughs>